Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This is episode 12. Today's topic is Why Words Matter, the Power of Language in Your Creative Business. Let's do it. Welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast with your hosts, wedding planner and educator Renee Dallow and blogger and social media strategist Mindy Marzek. Listen in as they bring you the best, brightest, and most honest industry advice on the internet. Their mission is to help you, wedding rock star, work smarter, not harder. Hope you're ready, because it's time to rock your wedding biz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. This is Mindy Marzik, and I'm joined, as always, by Renee Dallow. Hi, Renee. Hi. I don't know why I sung my name like that, That's not, but that was fun. Renee Dallow. I'll do it, too. Dallow. Um. We started a new thing. <laughs> We did. Hey, um, we have some uh, exciting news to share with our listeners. Ooh, yes. What is the big announcement? I feel like we should drum roll. We have over 1,000 downloads as of a few days ago. And so by the time you guys hear this, it will be a few weeks from now. And so hopefully we'll have way more than that. Hopefully. But that was a big deal getting to that number. We were like waiting for that number. Mindy almost didn't go to sleep. She was so excited to wait for that number. We were at 999. I posted about it on Instagram. I was like, come on, you guys, I have we have to get there. And then eventually I fell asleep. But and then when I woke up, we were well over. But yeah, we were, when, when I woke up, we were at like 1015. I was like, oh, <laughs> but I was refreshing all night. I was like, come on, you guys, just one more, one more. But uh, seriously, thank you guys so, so much. Um, we're at this point, we're at the time of this recording, we're less than two months into uh, this podcast being out into the world. So to hit that number so quickly, we're really, really thrilled. So thank you yeah, guys so thank much. You so much. It's almost like incomprehensible to me that like, yeah, it's really we've weird. To a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. But we thank you. And, and we love doing this podcast. So thank you for listening. Yeah, it's been super, super fun. So we love that people are downloading it and listening to it and we're getting a lot of good feedback and we have almost at this point we have almost 20 five-star reviews so yeah everybody who has left us reviews we really we love the reviews too. and our parents love them too my dad keeps calling me to say i got another review i'm like i i know dad thank you so much he's very aware of of what i'm doing in the world <laughs> we we love our supportive family yes Yes. And hey, with a thousand downloads, I know that can't just be my parents and your parents. So yeah, thank exactly. You to it has to be more than just our immediate circle. <laughs> exactly. So thank you guys so much. We just wanted to uh, give a shout out to all you guys before uh, we get started on this week's topic, which is this is a really, really interesting one. And it's something that I've heard Renee speak on before. And ever since I heard her speak on it, it's really stuck with me. And I've really been trying to be aware of of how I handle this topic. So Renee, do you want to share uh, just kind of a brief intro to what we're going to be talking about today? Sure. So today we're talking about the power of language in your business and how it can transform your business and, and actually how it can you know make you successful just by changing the words that you use. Which is a really fascinating concept and something that is, it honestly sounds so easy, but it's so difficult. I know it's one of those things that when I pitch this to like speak at conferences, they're like, well, what does that really mean? And then I start telling them, they're like, oh, right. Oh, I do all those things. <laughs> right. Well, you know, here's the thing. We can't, you can't get away from words, right? Words are everywhere. I'm speaking words. I mean, in our 
current society, most of our communication is written. Mm-hmm. We're emailing, we're Facebooking. I mean, Instagram, yes, we have images, but we're still writing captions. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not a if you're not uh, great at expressing yourself with words, then you're really at a disservice. And so it's one of those things where, like, if you're thinking, "Hey, I'm not really great at that," like, you have to get good at it quick mm-hmm. because words are everywhere. And it's really tough for some people because we grow up with a certain language, whether it's in the home or it's language that our friends use or, and I, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this carefully, but especially as women, we tend to kind of like downplay our, our um, involvement or our successes. And I'm sure you're going to touch on that a little bit later, but oh, yeah. I mean, this is something that it's people might be skim- uh, tempted to skip because, you know, they feel like they're, they've been getting by just fine and they have a degree in English and they <laughs> need any help but it really is something that everyone really needs to be paying more attention to absolutely and what what you said is so true like uh the lexicon the lexicon is just the word it's a fancy word for the words we use um and those are the words that we as individual people choose to use right that's all shaped by our lifestyles our education our location Mm -hmm. you know even our closest friends and family like if you speak to me after i get off the phone with my mother you're getting a different uh, set of words that I would use if I wasn't talking to my mother. And that's, and everyone, everyone I know will say that like, oh, my parents have certain you know language that, that, that means certain things in my family or, or, and that's okay. And that's fine. Right. But you have to know the difference between like words you need to use to express yourself in your business, words that are professional words that are, um, you know, providing you clear and concise communication versus the things you say to your friends and family. Those are actually different. They should be different things. And like you said, um, specifically my females who are listening to this, my ladies, um, you know, we have a real high hill to climb when it comes to language, because as women, uh, and, and I think I can safely say women in any generation, we've all been trained to be polite, to be quiet, to couch our words in a lot of soft language. It doesn't necessarily get us where we need to go. Unfortunately, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, if you're a man, you're going to say, fortunately, um, men do not have this problem. When I listen to my husband negotiate his contracts over the phone, it's pretty cut and dry. This is how much it costs to get him to work per day because he's a freelance um, art department guy. And and by the end of the conversation, he has his rate, he hangs up and he doesn't ever think about it. He doesn't pace around the house questioning what <laughs> what he said or did he say it properly or, you know, was he nice enough? Like he literally never <laughs> thinks about these things. Yeah, that's so true. But I know, I know that we all do. Yeah, I know that I know women. We all do, and so this is why this this topic is something that I'm so passionate about, especially in the wedding industry, especially because our industry is quote unquote a pink industry. Mm-hmm. Um, that we all have to, you know, kind of raise the game for each other and just start using language that gets us further quicker. And so, what I mean by that. I feel, I don't feel, I know that a lot of the language we use on a day-to-day basis is not language that we're specifically choosing. It becomes subconscious. Mm -hmm. And so I see so many fellow business people in every stretch, in every, sorry, in every part of the wedding industry, you know, using language um, that does not serve them well. And by this, I mean, limiting language. Um, when I started talking about this topic, I went into my inbox. I use Gmail for business and you can, um, I'm pretty sure you can do this with every email server, but you can do a search within your own email. And I just, um, I just went in and I thought like, well, how often am I using limiting language? And so for me, one of the big things is saying, I'm sorry when I'm not, there's nothing to be sorry. Yes. That's my big one too. I, after I heard you speak, I constantly caught myself saying sorry or typing it in an email and it, I was just like, why am I doing this? I'm not sorry. (laughs) 
Right. There's nothing to be sorry about in some cases. And women use this as like a little soft place to land all the time. Like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's like, well, you don't have to take that on. You can just say that's, you know, it's unfortunate. There are other ways to say it. So I went into my Gmail and this was years ago. This was probably three years ago now. And I typed the word sorry into my search and I came up with something like, like 300 emails Yeah. out of like, out of thousands, but still I was like, and then I literally made myself go through and I said, in any of these cases, was there something that I did that I had to be sorry for? And out of all of those emails, I mean, maybe it was like five times where it was like, sorry, I misscheduled that meeting. Oh, sorry, I didn't read that part of your email. I didn't see that in the email. But most of the time it was like, I'm apologizing for some rental company not getting back to us in time. Like things that literally were beyond my control. Yeah. Those things don't require a sorry response. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know we do it in also polite conversation. Like, you know, I tell the story all the time when I speak about this, but, um, you know, I was out for lunch with a friend. I ordered a salad. I really wanted mac and cheese, but whatever. I ordered a salad and um, a salad comes. I'm halfway through the salad and I go put my fork in and there's a bug in my salad, which it happens. It's mm-hmm. lettuce. It's nature. But I called the waiter over to the table. And what I said to him was, I'm so sorry, but there's a bug in my salad. Yeah. And then he said, oh, let me take that from you. I'll take that right away. Did he say he was sorry? No, he did not. I apologize for there being a bug in my salad. Why? Because because it's ingrained in us to, to put it out there when we think a sorry is necessary, even if we know it shouldn't be coming from us. Yeah, we don't want to be seen as like difficult. Right. Which I think, and I mean, in that situation, it's pretty clear, but I'm trying to think of other situations where I maybe apologized for not getting back to an email quick enough or something like that. Uh And it's because we want to qualify our actions and, and lessen, maybe lessen them or maybe show that we are aware of them or, and we have emotion towards them. So we're not seen as the B word. Exactly. Well, we want to be empathetic, right? So we think that if we say, oh, well, so I'm, oh God, I'm so sorry that that's like, we're, we're showing empathy. And in a way we are, but ultimately it lessens our standing over time. Yes. Because then when we are perceived as someone who, um, you know, isn't, isn't strong, isn't a strong leader just by their words, you know, other, other things that, um, that I see a lot of people do is inserting the word just Mm-hmm. when there is no reason for it. So like, I just wanted to check in and see, I just think that's the other one. I just think, well, you know, the word just, it tends to make us sound a little apologetic, also very defensive about what we're saying. So honestly, just the difference between saying, well, I just wanted to check in and see, or I want to check in and see if you've read my email. It's it's just be definitive. You know, you're, everyone will respect you more if you're just definitive. Yeah. And what's really interesting that I want to point out is that when you said those two phrases, your voice, your tone of voice changed. Like you, the, the one you said, I just, I'll, I'll say it again in case anyone missed it. So you don't have to skip back. (laughs) But she said, I just wanted to follow up with you versus I want to follow up with you. Like you sound more affirmative, more in charge, you know, more secure. Thank you. But I think, and that's how people will read your email. Like I'll read an email like that, you know, and when, you know, when you read someone's email, you can kind of like picture their tone of voice in your head. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's definitely something to think about while you're typing your emails is what's, what's the tone of voice you're trying to convey. 
Yeah. I also uh, see this a lot with my female, uh, other female wedding pros, especially if a client is like saying, well, I don't know why we have to do this or da, 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 da. And sometimes I I get this back. Well, in my opinion, or I'm no expert, but Mm, yeah, or I know you think that that's best, but I think, right. So as soon as we start getting into like, especially that I'm no expert, which like, stop using that phrase. Yeah. No one, no one listening to this podcast should ever say that ever. Yeah, get it out immediately. Unless you're talking about like brain surgery and you're not an expert in brain. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I'm no expert in quantum physics, but but, uh, but let me give you my opinion anyway. No, um, hopefully I would not be giving my opinion on that. But I do think as soon as we start saying the word think, well, I think da 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 da. It's like you have to say what is it that you know. What do you know from your experience, right? Right. If it if what you're saying is something you know from experience, then the then the, the sentence should actually be, well, from my years of experience, what I've seen is blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I know that no one's using these phrases on purpose, but I also know that a high percentage of you listening to this now are probably blushing and thinking, "Oh god, I've done this." Yeah, and we both have too, so that's why we're talking yes. about it. And listen, if you go back and listen to this recording, I'll probably use some of this language that I'm telling you not to use because it's part of my lexicon and that's just how it goes. But I'm talking about business correspondence. And that is when we have to start making definitive choices about the language we're using. Um, Another one that I see all the time that I used to do all the time and I was like, oh, this is the worst is um, I would explain something to a client in an email, like perhaps how to do their seating chart. And at the end, I would ask, does this make sense? Mm. And it might seem fairly benign to ask that question, but really what it does is kind of two things, right? You want to check in with your with the person you're communicating with and you want to make sure that you've been clear. But the problem is asking, does that make sense? It comes across as either condescending, like perhaps the person you're communicating with can't understand you, or it implies that you've been incoherent, which doesn't make any sense because you've probably just spent an hour typing this email about, you know, whatever the topic and then once you once you ask, does that make sense? It really kind of promotes um, like a lack of trust. Yeah, and and it, it's again that one of those things where it's just like you're diminishing your expertise. Yes, like all of a sudden you're just like instead of being confident in the thing that you're explaining, you explain it, and then you're like, did I explain that well enough? Right. And then what do you want them to say? Like, yes, you did a great job explaining. You're a very good explainer. Like, it doesn't make sense. So what I what I replace that with, because I, I do want to check in with my clients when I'm writing these emails to make sure that my point was, was made, mm-hmm. is that now I say, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Or I'll just say, like, if it's a, if it's like more casual, I'll just say thoughts, question mark. Yeah. Right. Because I don't I don't want to be like Miss Formal Renee all the time. Like, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Get back to me soon. Like, that's not what we're doing. But I also want to be clear that, like, I expect an answer to this email. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know I what just, I mean? I was just going to say, like, when you when you ask a question, like, does that make sense? Or am I explaining this? OK, the reason you're doing that is because you want someone to respond to make sure that you are explaining it. OK, I mean, it's it's a perfectly normal uh, thought to have that you want to make sure you're words are coming across to the person <laughs> that you're saying them to. But there, like you said, there's other ways to do that than uh, diminishing your expertise by saying, you know, am I explaining this okay? I think it also, when you say something like, does that make sense? It also kind of maybe implies to the person you're writing to or talking to that they are not smart enough to keep up with you. 
Right. Or this topic is so high level. There's no way you could possibly understand it unless you're a wedding planner. Exactly. You know, it's like that, it's that weird thing. And, you know, 90% of my business is done via email. I don't know about you, but I'm rarely on the phone. I hate the phone really, which is hilarious that we have a podcast, (laughs) but I hate the phone. I just don't like my, my day being interrupted by phone calls. It's a whole other, we can have to do a whole other podcast on that. But, um, 90% of my business is done via email. So if I'm not able to communicate effectively in my writing, then I I don't even know how I'd still be in business. And so that's the heart of this whole topic is like making it easier for yourself to have clearer language to then be more respected in your business, thereby having better, a better business, honestly. The other thing too, about that, just to go back to the, you know, does this make sense? Is like, I don't, I haven't had ever had a client who, if they had a question, didn't ask me a question. Like they're constantly asking me questions. Sure. So you can assume if you're in a position where you're a service-based industry, that if someone's hiring you, they are going to talk to you about the things that they need. And if they don't understand something, they will bring it up to you. Yeah. The other limiting language word that I, I used to use a lot and now I don't is the word actually, mm. which is a very, this is also another female thing. When you say the word actually, like when you insert it where it doesn't need to be like, well, I actually disagree or I actually have a question. It like kind of makes you sound like you're surprised that you have an opinion. Right. When you you don't need the word. It's weird that you say it that way, which I totally agree with you. But the word actually has become kind of the like lexicon of the mansplainers. Oh, for sure. And when they use it, they use it confidently. Oh, they do. Absolutely. Isn't that strange? They do it to shut you down. Actually, I know better than you uh-huh. is really their full thought. But when women use it, we're like, well, actually, I'm just going to insert my opinion and maybe it, be, it will be challenged. That's so interesting that it's different for different genders. It is totally different for different genders, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? It is. Never thought of that till just now. Well, that's why we're here. (laughs) (laughs) So neither gender should be using that word. Don't use actually. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. So um, a lot of times people will ask me after I speak on this topic, they'll be like, how did you like land on this as your like passionate topic? And the thing is, I've always, you know, we talked about this before. If you've listened to the podcast, I've always considered myself a writer. I've always been interested in writing. I had a blog and now I write articles for other publications and I write for my own blog and I don't know Mindy you're a writer and so uh, I think um, I hear from other business owners that like they hate writing they hate blogging they hate writing Mm -hmm. which I think has more to do with like something from childhood where like we were expected to write and it was like very writer's blocky under the gun like the report is due you know kind of thing I don't I don't know I mean please tell me if this is incorrect but that people actually hate the idea of expressing themselves through words. Yeah, it could be that. I kind of chalk it up to when people are in more of a creative business, they just don't want to sit down and write. They want to be creating. Right, the act the act of writing. They don't want to do the act of writing, but they, I, I yeah, it's like there's a, I feel like it's a fine line, right? For At least for me, it's like, I think if you just like, I always tell people if you don't want to blog, just like speak into your into your iPhone and like do a voice recording because everyone wants to express themselves. Yes. It's just the physical act of like typing and writing, Yes, but you're doing that all day anyway. If you're, ans- if you're in your inbox. True. Yes. And, and so I started really looking at the emails I was sending and thinking like, can I, can I be better at this part of my job? And then I happened upon a book called playing big by Tara Moore, mm. which is basically, this isn't all that the book is about. Um, but it's a, a book uh, about female leadership. The full title is Playing Big Practical Wisdom uh, for Women. 
And it's, how do I put this? Everyone should just go read Play and Big, first of all. <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes. We'll link it in the show notes. But um, it's, I'm sorry, the full title is pra- Plain Big, Practical Wisdom for Women Who Want to Speak Up, Create, and Lead. Ooh. Right. And even if you're sitting there listening to us going like, well, I don't want to be a leader. It's not necessarily about about that. It's leading in your own lane. Yeah. So to speak. I get it. We're not saying you have to become the president. We're saying that you have to lead in your own way. Yeah. Um, and because, and Tara wrote the book because she looked around at her large group of female friends and thought all of you are brilliant and all of you are playing small and how can we be trained to play big? Uh, one of the things as I move through, move through life and get older, the thing I see repeated is that, you know, women just aren't raised or taught the tools, the same tools that men have in in business. Mm -hmm. I did not start out as a business person. I started out as an actor. I, came into my business having literally no business training. So I made it my my business to learn. And in all of the avenues where I have, you know, self-taught or gone to conferences, workshops, read books, do all these things, every so often, you know, you'll read something that says, well, just do blah, blah, blah. And then I'll, I'll if it's a book, like I'll look at the cover and go, oh, written by a man and open again and just go like, that isn't necessarily particularly relevant to me and my skill set. But with a book like Playing Big, she literally explains to you like how to take these skills and make them work for you as a female in business, in any in any stretch of business. You know, there is that, uh, I'm now forgetting who quoted it, but it's that that quote about your plain small does not serve the world. Yeah, I love that. It's I think it's Maya Angelou. I'll, we'll put it in the show we'll notes. And I think about that all the time. I think about it all the time when I'm, you know, coaching other wedding planners or just talking to even friends in business. I think we're so conditioned to just take what we get and like what we're given. And that is not the way to success. It's just not. Yeah. So, you know, all this is really easy to say. And I'll just say that, you know, I've been friends with Renee for a long time and I've heard her speak on this and and talk about this topic for a few years now. And it's still really difficult for me. Like, I'll try to pay attention to what I write and say, but I still... I mean, it's almost daily, there'll be stuff that creeps in. So let me ask you if you have any advice on, first of all, not only how to implement this, but how to not be too hard on ourselves when we catch ourselves. That's an excellent question. So I will agree with you in that, although this is something I'm passionate about, I catch myself doing it all the time too. I mean, I, I'll I'll start typing an email, Fast and Furious, read it and go, oh, I said just, and I go back, click, click, mm-hmm. delete, delete, delete. So it's a work in progress, I think, constantly. And I think the only thing I can say about not being hard on yourself is that just try to be better than the you you were yesterday. Yeah, which is uh, general good advice for every aspect. <laughs> but especially for the language stuff, it's like, yeah, give yourself an extra half a minute to read over your email. I think awareness is so key. Just being aware of the words that you're using, um, you know, even just in the way you just you talk about your business. When people ask you what you do, you know, there is more power in saying, "I'm the owner of Moxie Bright Events and the lead planner," or even saying, "I am the CEO of Moxie Bright Events," than saying, "Oh, I'm just a wedding planner." And I've heard. I've heard my fellow people do this. I've been at cocktail parties when someone turns to someone next to me and goes, what do you do? And she said, I'm just a wedding planner. And I wanted to kill her because this is someone who's been in business for a decade. She has run a success, a successful business for that long. And that, but that was her in that moment. That was her feeling. That was her response. I'm just a wedding planner. 
Or so, when yeah. people when people say like I'm a wedding planner. Oh, the questioning. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Like I yeah. think I'm a wedding planner. No, you either are or you aren't. You know, don't say it like a question. Yeah, and it's the same for your name. If someone says, "Hey, I," you know, "Hi, I'm uh, Doug." Hi, I'm Renee. No, that's not your name. It's not a question. <laughs> it's your name. It's a fact. So is your business name. So is your title. It, these are all facts. And I think, um, especially younger generations, sorry, millennials or Gen Z, um, they grew up in a in a culture with the Kardashians with all the Kardashians have a really weird, um, like vocal pattern. Yes. You can actually, you can actually Google it. And people have written like, you know, educational essays about the fact that they're like ruining, <laughs> like their vocal speech is like ruined a generation. Um, because girls think that that's how they're supposed to be talking. They're supposed to be talking like this. And like super low and like really gravelly and like this, that's like, that's basically like people have written like thesis is about this. I had but, um, no idea. That's incredible. Oh yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm super nerdy. <laughs> and I, re- I read a lot of like educational. Like, no, that's, I'm actually pretty surpri- surprised that that hasn't crossed my, you know. Yeah. I'll send it to you. We'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. That's <laughs> but, kind of fascinating. I love that. It's okay. Well, I don't love it. But. I mean, I mean, I hate them, but I love that somehow their influence is, is being seen, you know, wow. so deep. Okay. But back to the questioning. So it's not second nature that, you know, the, the, the questioning at the end, that's just a lack of self-confidence. And so that needs to be practiced. That's like stare yourself, put your, you know, as you put on your makeup, before you go to an event, you just say your name over and over until it sounds really weird to you, but it sounds like a, like a definitive fact and not some question that you're waiting for someone to go, Oh, is your name Renee? That's great. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> these things can be practiced and, you know, courage is like a muscle. It gets easier to have courage the more you use the muscle. And so sometimes it just takes a little bit of courage yeah. to do all these things. You know, I mean, obviously, like if you're out talking with someone, for some people, it's hard enough to go to a networking event and to try to put yourself out there. And then on top of that, you have to remember not to use limiting language. It's difficult. I know. And <laughs> trust me, I am the friend that if you're standing next to me now, I mean, at first I didn't. That one that one time I didn't do it. But now if you're next to me and you start in with some BS talk about like, well, I'm just uh I don't know. I'm just a musician. I'm like, no, she is actually a band leader. Like I will talk you up if I'm standing next to you because I'm tired of it. And I, and yes, it might be slightly embarrassing for the person, but it's also helpful because then we get into a dialogue about like how we, you know, what is it that you really, Oh, that's great. You know, we have to help each other out is what I'm saying. Yeah. And also probably if you, if you did that to me and you probably have in the past, I think that It would stick with me and I'd be like, I don't want that to happen again. I don't want Renee to yell at me. (laughs) So I'm going to speak more confidently from now on. I mean, I say it nicely. I know, I'm just kidding. I will just let you know that you're bigger than than what you're portraying, you know? And that's okay. I think as women, we've, at least I know as a child, it was like, be small, be quiet, be polite, be pretty. That was it. Yeah, I totally. I grew up in the Catholic church. We just shut up and sit there. And it's amazing that I became the loud mouth that I am today. But, (laughs) um, but also it's important to know that you are allowed to take up space with your business, with your words, with just your energy. Like you are allowed to exist in this, in this world, in, in your business, in the wedding world, you're allowed. We're giving, I'm giving you that permission if you didn't already know. And so all these things and language, especially, these are just tools to help you take up that space. Yeah, I like it. 
Um, so are there, speaking of tools, is there anything that people can use to try to help them train their brain? Yes. So there's one particular uh, extension for Google Chrome that I'm obsessed with. It's uh, a little tiny extension. It's called Just Not Sorry. Oh. And it literally will tell you in your emails if you're using limiting language. So you attach it to your Google Chrome, you're writing an email. If you type the word just, it will underline it in red. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And on a subconscious level, the more you use it, I mean, it's been on my browser for years now. I kind of forget that it's there until I write the word just, and then I'm like, oh, right. But you know what? Every every single time it makes me go, do I want to say that? Is that how Mm. I want to say that? Eh, Let me delete it. You know? Every so often when I'm actually sorry for something, I have to ignore it. But it's very helpful as a little, it's like a little voice in the back of your head going, do you want to say it that way? Are you sure? Do you want to? Yeah, I like that. I'm going to install that one. Yeah, definitely do that. That's That one's a game changer. And then just overall, I feel like every human being on the planet should install Grammarly to their browser. Um, it is a very in-depth spell and grammar check. I have had it, I've had it for years Um It'll tell you every every week it gives you like an update on like how your grammar is doing. And like, I still have the same issues I've always had, like comma splices and, you know, it's the same thing always, but at least they're catching them. So I'm not sending grammatically incorrect emails out to people. I know we didn't touch on grammar at all, but that is one of my my big pet peeves. Um, and maybe we'll do a whole show one day on like email you know, oh, yeah. I get like giving good email because that's another one of my passionate topics, obviously. But um, grammar is really important. And like Mindy said uh, earlier on, when you're reading someone's email, if you've never met them, you're you're deciding what tone it's in, and you're kind of deciding who the who they are as you're reading. Mm-hmm. And if if I get a, an email that's full of grammatical errors, I either think the person is uneducated, not intelligent, or just doesn't or careless, just super careless. Mm-hmm. And and in my industry as a wedding planner, especially, I can't deal with vendors who don't love the details. Yeah, and so it's a clear grammar to me is a clear indication of just so many other personality traits, which I know probably sounds very snotty, but um, just get Grammarly. So everyone thinks you're super smart all the time, <laughs> even when you're, even when you're tired. <laughs> no, that seems like a good combo. Cause if, I mean, what's the point of using the non-limiting language if your grammar isn't up to par? Like, so I get it. Yeah. So that seems like a good, yeah. like one, two punch with those two plugins. Yeah, they're super and they're free and they're easy. Um, Grammarly does have like a premium upgrade that I've never I've never used. I'm sure it would it would turn me into a complete grammar snob, and that's why I haven't done it. But even the premium upgrade is very reasonable. I think for the year it's maybe forty dollars. It's not very much at all. Um, yeah, super worth it. And a really easy way just to sort of starting to implement these small changes over time and really just getting aware is the first step. Right. So that's uh that's something that we want to impart on you as we wrap up with this episode here is just obviously no none of us are going to become perfect with this overnight but just the awareness factor so that you can start to hear yourself and hear it in other people too um you know that's step number one yeah and i just hope that after listening to this you know i just hope i've inspired uh people listening to just be more intentional with the words that you're that you're actively choosing not just subconsciously using and if you see a, a change in your business uh, or even just a change in yourself, you know, please let me know. Cause I love hearing about how this, uh, this idea affects people. Cause it's so interesting to me on a nerd level, <laughs> just to see how this little thing can, <laughs> can be a ripple effect in your business and really, and really change things for you. Yeah. 
Uh, definitely. We'd love to hear your feedback on this episode and every episode. So you can yeah. visit us at rockyourweddingbiz.com. Um, you can leave a comment on any of our episodes. You can also find us on Instagram at rockyourweddingbiz. Yeah. All right. See you next time. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This episode is sponsored by Moxie Bright Events, wedding planning for creative couples and industry education for creative event planners. Also sponsored by Joy Social, teaching smart social media strategies for awesome business owners. You can find Renee online at moxiebrightevents.com and reneedallow.com. You can find Mindy online at joysocial.net. Jump into the show notes at rockyourweddingbiz.com and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Wedding Biz.